0: Hello. Uh, you're listening to yet another episode of Britainology. Uh I'm I'm Milo Evans, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Nate Bethay.
1: Hello. It's a lovely autumn day in mid-October in London. The sun has shown for like 15 minutes today. Mm. And then it's just slate gray. Just too much, if
0: anything. Yeah, like, exactly. A bunch of British people are going to get melanoma by accident. Like basically
1: this. everyone's dad and uncle has gotten a sunburn from this somehow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and they're going to be yelling about this country's going to the dogs, you know. Yeah, it's woken up the Scots again. Exactly. It's terrible. Exactly.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a very, it's a very normal day. We've decided on, on this beautiful autumn day to spend it journeying into uh, the cursed minds of Britain. Once again.
1: We have. And this week, or rather this episode, we've decided Mm. to talk about a series of films that you are way more familiar with than I am, the Carry On films. Oh, yeah. Now, we didn't go so far as to punish ourselves by watching all like 32 or 36 or however many carry-on films 31. there one
0: yeah i mean good god it, i only know that because i'm looking at the wikipedia page i'm not like i don't have that much of an encyclopedic knowledge of yeah i mean it would have it would have probably have been an entire separate podcast yeah. if we watched every carry-on film and reviewed them and that i would have be... fucking
1: set myself on fire i would have fled <laughs> britain I would have ripped up my British passport and fucking swum into the goddamn English channel. Just, I'd be like, I don't care if I land in fucking the Netherlands and I have to learn how to play honkball, hoof to are like, I don't care. Get me off this island. It's just like your wife just finds you, like, uh, twitching in your sleep and muttering stuff to yourself, like, ooh, uh, misses." missus. <laughs> oh, my God. So my big takeaway from the beginning was that... I, tw- I should clarify, initially, the film, the film that we watched was uh, Carry On Up the Khyber.
0: Yes. Uh, Which is I I picked for Nate because I knew it was the one that Nate would love the most because it is a carry on film set half in uh, like the British Raj in India and what now would be Pakistan and half in uh, Afghanistan.
1: It is. Yeah. Uh, Although it looks like it was filmed in Scotland. It doesn't matter. Yes. The the countryside is not looking very Afghan. It does not look Afghan at all. Uh, however uh, also there are no Afghans or Indians or Pakistanis there's just a lot of white British people some of whom are wearing brown face many of whom are doing uh, slightly in the modern ears problematic accents let's just call it that (laughs) the film came out in 1968 and uh, some of you who follow me on Twitter may have noticed that I I tweeted a bit when I was watching it during the time I was watching it and then afterwards Mm. and I said this is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen was one comment I made (laughs) The next one was, this is really unfunny and racist, but also horny the entire time. Oh, it's, they're deeply horny films. Yeah. And, and, and horny in a way that's never explicit, but always just like body and full of double entendres. Mm. And it's just, it, it's like, okay, I did a writing program. I did a master of fine arts in creative writing. And one of our instructors made the comment that if you have a sort of recurring joke in a story mm. that once is great, twice okay three times is too much if you're going to do it more than three you have to do it a hundred times and that yeah. that then it becomes funny again if it's just constantly fucking happening and so exactly. to me it's, that's it's jerk Kluck. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and that that to me is what gives the film humor is that it's basically non-stop horny jokes the mm. whole time like yeah you can see how some of this filtered into other british comedy there are some elements of like the shows i'm familiar with like blackadder mm. or monty yeah, python yeah, yeah. there's also some things with regard. to to shows that I've watched, like Mel Brooks films from the same Mm. period that are kind of like this. But this is just horny vaudeville, but filmed, but also very deeply British. Yeah, and there's
0: a there's a lot of like uh people going oh. <laughs> there's a lot of like just what we might call like horny voice. Like <laughs> yeah. all of the like in, in car because like I think it's a whole thing of like to understand carry on and I think that uh, this is going to absolutely break the psyches of our American listeners trying to get into fucking carry on. I mean like you're used to being tortured with British stuff, sure, but yeah. they are not, right? No. Um and like the Carry On films, I mean these are genuinely a british institution to the point where like as a child i can just remember these big be- like you know when there's like sunday afternoon and they just put some old shit on tv yeah. like it would invariably be a carry-on film like i kind of i don't really remember the plots of any of these films in that great detail but like i have seen them or many of what them what
1: was it anyway. the network there was an american cable network on like basic cable i think it was like turner classic movies or something like that and they show oh, a lot of these yeah, things yeah, yeah. and the best way i could describe these films is that imagine taking the sort of general rhythm and pattern of like something like I love Lucy, mm. but then making it really British and really horny. And, yeah. and that these have become kind of, I don't know, like emblematic of a kind of mentality about, I don't know, the empire, British greatness, the thing about British humor and those things along those lines. Mm. But when you watch them now, you're just sort of like, this is, this is just, it's like you can't, it's like the Mitchell and Webb sketch. Like the humor gets ruined if you just say, go, oh, should I just take my cock out now? <laughs> like yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. no longer, because everything is about like, <laughs> I'm going to take your temperature on time. Yeah, it's just like that nonstop.
0: <laughs> yeah, but because actually the, this is something, right? Like our listeners might be more familiar with the Mitchell and Webb bawdy 1970s hospital sketch, which I also sent to Nate. Yeah. Uh, which is very much a direct send up of the carry on films. I think that's almost all that it's referencing. Um, And, yeah, like, these films are, like... Because one thing I would say about them is that they're extremely knowing. It's, like, Mm -hmm. it's not supposed to be a good film. It's, like, very much is, like, deeply sort of, uh, like, pastiche. And I don't know why they decided to make them so horny. But, like, every single carry-on film, it's, like, the exact same. It's just constant double entendre vibes. But also, like, carry-on films in particular are very they're not just this isn't just Britnology we're now like even deeper into like cockneyology because yeah. this is they're, they're incredibly London like they're all shot at Ealing Studios like the whole thing is like powerfully shit my nan would say level. and so like there were obviously there were loads of like double entendres in the film which you didn't get because no. you weren't raised by a 4 foot 11 insane cockney woman right no
1: <laughs> 100% I mean there were things that I got but also the things that were sort of I it was helped to get by the visual mm. Of just like boobs are out, or something oh, like yeah, that. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Like it's just not actually exposed, but rather like mm. just close up shots Cockney on sign language. Yeah. When the boobs are out, it's yeah. a double entendre. Yeah, yeah. close ups on, on boobs and huge brasiers and things along those lines. And just like, all right. If we talk about the plot of the film, if you summarize the plot of the film, it's legitimately this stupid. Mm-hmm. There is an elite unit, notionally elite unit of British troops on the border of Afghanistan. And they have to wear a Highland uniform. And yeah. one of them gets caught.
0: The, the The third foot and mouth regiment, which is the first little of course, uh, yeah. uh, gag of the film that you get.
1: And they're not supposed to wear underwear. And as such, the Afghans and mm. the Indians are terrified of them because their dicks are hanging out. Yeah. However, uh, one of them... Basically, gets accosted by Private James Whittle. Private now, James Whittle is one of the ew, ew characters. <laughs> it's it's ew, cold. Oh, so. no. Yeah, exactly. He mm-hmm. he's a private who looks about fifty. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> an enormous man who at least looks like he could be Afghan, but is extremely. His name is like you know, like like Bob Smith or something. He's not afghan at all yeah, uh but bung bunged it din bunged uh, is, it in yeah, yeah great absolutely uh he basically assaults him and discovers that he is wearing underwear which mm. is because he's wearing undergarments that they're not they're issued but not allowed to wear uh this apparently will which is incredibly
0: british yeah, actually they that, issue
1: you something you're
0: not supposed to that's
1: 100 percent. yeah u.s army too 100 percent. like we gave you this mm. stuff and you can't wear it uh Shout out to the random American military listeners, if we have any. You all know what we're talking about about the polar bear suit. You're not allowed to wear that shit. Like, they might issue it to you. The polar bear suit. So the, there's the extreme cold weather clothing system, or acronym Equix, as we okay. call it. And the very top layer is basically like a like a big puffy coat, like a gray North Face style puffy coat, mm-hmm. and uh, or marshmallow suit. We also call it that. So like there was there's a couple of like a fleece. We were sometimes allowed to wear the gray fleece. I have never, the only time I was ever allowed to wear the marshmallow top was, uh, basically in like a cold weather training thing where we're supposed to be trust your clothing kind of thing they mm. would because it looks too comfortable and too cool there's no way they'd ever yeah. let us wear like it just looks too badass it's like a fly ass wrapper jacket and you're not allowed to wear it. never <laughs> not allowed to wear it you're just wandering around
0: looking like tupac i yeah. did
1: see a guy wearing one he was like a navy dude as an augmentee in afghanistan who was part of like like the, the counter ied training thing and this dude clearly thought he was the coolest guy on the planet because he had like big hair for a military person and was walking around in like the polar the, the, the big marshmallow jacket with just a gun tucked into his belt like, just a fucking a nine mil. And and I was just that like, guy was Pete Buttigieg. He was, yeah, he was just way, way, way too cool. Uh, right. Also never left the fob. But the point being- With Navy. I mean, why not, was he so far from the sea? I know. He was closest to the- In a country very close to the point on the planet that's the furthest from any body of water, and they sent a fucking Navy. I don't get it. Absolutely. But long story short, sure, okay, we've digressed. Somebody's got to teach these people how to be gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing they've never learned before. <laughs> there is no history of that here.
0: <laughs> I mean, Michael York in the carry-on films would be too powerful. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the projector reels would have melted in 1960s British cinema. Having it off with a twink. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to wear that sleeping bag uniform. Private, take off your clothes right now. <laughs> yeah, so uh, basically we've digressed to talk army talk for a second, mm. but point being the private is not allowed to no, no one is allowed to wear these undergarments uh but not only is this private wearing them and he gets captured and mm. uh the guy wesley he gets knocked out and the the bunged it in guy takes them off him yeah and then reveals to that, that's he, all off camera by the way it's just he,
0: recounted later in like a pseudo horny way
1: of course yeah you know and uh Something about the private, his privates, etc. Yeah, yeah, you, you couldn't mess with that shit. No. Anyway, the Kazi, uh, the leader of the Raj or whatever part of India they're in, which yeah, he's like the local local
0: Indian slash Pakistani ruler. This is another this is another gag in the film because I believe Kazi uh, is an Indian or possibly Arabic word uh, for like a toilet um and uh basically in in cockney kind of like slang uh vernacular a kazi is is a, a shitter or a can mean like a shithole like a bad place that you wouldn't mm. want to go to and so there are all these jokes about people being on the kazi and so like or like with the, the in the kazi like stuff like that but where it implies they're taking a shit but they're actually <laughs> just meeting with this guy
1: yeah exactly so long story short also played by a white british guy Uh, Yeah, Kenneth Williams,
0: who is in every carry-on film. Um, And I have to say, you could think that he is doing like a slightly problematic accent, but that is just the voice that Kenneth Williams does. (laughs) Kenneth Williams talks like (laughs) this.
1: Little Beetle for me tonight.
0: I'm not sure I could do that. He sounds like really camp Alan Rickman. That's the Kenneth Williams voice.
1: But he's also got uh, a very tightly wound turban, and it just Mm. it basically looks like Ah, uh, as long as he's only surrounded by dudes, it would be T. E. Lawrence having the best time of his life. <laughs> and so, Always. so basically, the Kazi uh, and bunged it in. Decide that uh, they can lead a rebellion against the British mm. because no, no one in India or Afghanistan will be afraid of the British and their Highland Guards and who, or the 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 the, the third Foot and Mouth Regiment, yep. if they know that they wear underpants. Absolutely, and this is basically like a state secret. However uh it's then revealed that basically all of them wear underpants because they're not supposed to do it but they do it anyway yeah and uh but all of them believe that none of the others do exactly and so they have like a surprise open ranks inspection where they're all forced to lift their kilts and it's revealed that all of them are wearing it but the uh the governor of th- this province or whatever the guy yeah. played by sid james is a uh, sydney rough diamond yeah his his, his extremely horny cockney wife snaps Mm -hmm. a photo with an old-timey camera. This is supposed to be 1890 because she wants to see a bunch of dudes' dicks, but instead the picture is uh, a bunch of dudes all wearing underpants. And so because she has this picture, she then decides she wants to have sex with the Kazi and -hmm. she promises him... That she'll give him the photo if he has sex with her, but he keeps refusing to do it. Yeah, it's heavily implied that the Kazi is gay. Mm-hmm. I think it would be safe to given that he's
0: played by Kenneth Williams, um, and uh, and he's doing everything he can to avoid having sex with the big busty English woman. Yeah, who keeps going like, "Oh, wouldn't you like to have a look under my garments?" And he's like, "Oh, not now, darling. Oh, I must, I must hurry away." There is a fun gag actually where. Um, She's talking about like, oh, wouldn't you like to have sex with me? And he's like, oh, no, I don't make love. And she's like, why not? And he's like, well, I have someone to do everything for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're getting the vibe if you understand where we're coming from with this. So yeah, it's just it's just yeah. that for, like, 90 minutes. And, like,
0: all of these, all the main characters are in, like, every single one of these films. They just, like, reuse the same cast. Um, and, like, so a lot of these people were definitely big household names at the time. I mean, like, <coughs> Sid James who's been dead for some time. Yeah. Who plays the British governor, um, is like an iconic British figure of just like extremely cockney guy who is renowned for this like dirty laugh that he has, which is like <laughs>
1: He's also, if I'm not mistaken, South African originally. He was from oh, South really? Africa. He was a South African Jewish guy who left and moved to Britain. And I could kind of pick up a little hint of a South African accent every now and then when he talked. Mm-hmm. But also, apparently, he was such an inveterate gambler who constantly lost money that like, he had to have a secret. Just had to keep doing the horny films. He had to keep doing the horny films and his agent had like a secret account so his wife wouldn't know how much money he was making because he <laughs> wanted to gamble all of it. So in a way, like the, the sort of debauched English guy that he's playing, he's not that far off the mark. So he's basically just playing himself. I imagine him and
0: his wife having an actual carry-on film dynamic where, like, he's he's away gambling and she's like,
1: oh, well, I hope he's not losing his shirt. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, uh, basically, uh, Lady Rough Diamond gets kidnapped, gets taken by the Kazi. They think she's been kidnapped, but actually she Mm. wants to fuck the Kazi. And so he has to go to Afghanistan well, actually, prior to
0: that, the uh, the governor goes over to the Kazi and tries to convince him that they don't wear underpants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. Kazi shows him the underpants, and he's like, well, uh, why don't you prove it to me? And he has, like, uh, Captain Keane, uh, the the sort of uh, inveterate British Army officer. He This was another character I really liked because it's, like, a very good uh, – Captain Keane and the Sergeant Major, whose name is Sergeant Major McNutt, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, who are, like, an amazing, an amazing parody of the sort of, like, British army officer sergeant major combo where the officer's just going like Ooh, oh dear well we can't have that can we and
1: then and then the sergeant major starts going
0: private pull up your skirts now
1: um this kind of yeah uh, constantly drilling people to walk them around and stuff like that you know
0: like. and uh, and there's a uh, and there's a moment where uh, Sir Sidney Rough Diamond asks them both to lift up their kilts to show the Kazi and the the sergeant major is like I'd rather not sir. And then he's like, I've ordered you. And he's like, no, I'd rather not. And then they have this like whispered conversation. And then you hear the officer go, but so am I. <laughs> <laughs> and it transpires that they are both also wearing the undergarments, despite being the people who, in, who had initially initiated this entire disciplinary proceeding about not wearing undergarments.
1: Exactly. And so that's that's then leads to the scene in which uh, Lady Rough Diamond by, uh, takes the photo expecting mm. to see a bunch of dudes dicks. And instead, yeah. they're all wearing underwear nice thing. so then she takes the photo to the kazi and uh,
0: <laughs> i'm just thinking about that bit now that like the entire conceit there is that she just wants to photograph a bunch of guys dicks. <laughs>
1: like, i'm not taking a secret it. dick pic no oh, I'm absolutely not that's the fucking plot and that oh f- i love a racy daguerreotype <laughs> <laughs> and that drives the plot of the rest of the film is mm. that she has this print of the 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 guys lifting their skirts mm. up and they're uh, they're you know all wearing underpants, yeah. and so basically, she takes it to the kazi. And she mm. says that he can have it. If and,
0: she- and, and, oh, that's because she's taken. There's a whole joke about it. she's taken this racy photograph to the Kazi, which makes it sound like she's taken it to the toilet to <laughs> jack, jack off
1: with. <laughs> <laughs> you know what?
0: Actually, this film is excellent.
1: It rules, <laughs>
0: it's, it's extremely
1: based. There are some slightly racist bits which it could do without, but in general. Um. anyway so he then makes her come with him to Afghanistan mm. to meet with the tribal chiefs because he wants to get them he wants to show them the photograph to get them riled up because yeah. then they'll be like well the English don't actually mm. wear underpants and so we can kill them well they do wear underpants right yeah they do they do wear underpants so we can kill them and um, so they went up going across the you know the Khyber Pass to, to Afghanistan and uh, then basically well two things happen number one because she's gone missing, they think she's been kidnapped. So the uh, Captain Keen, Sergeant mm-hmm. Major McNutt, Private Whittle, <laughs> and a horn a horny evangelist minister that they meet oh, and basically oh, yeah. blackmail B- uh, B- uh, mr belcher mr belcher who they blackmail into going with them because he speaks the language uh yeah. it's never specified which language but he speaks the local language and um they blackmail him by basically getting a hot girl to come seduce him and then they like catch him in the act and mm. basically it's implied that he Apparently, he's known to be this horny, debauched guy, but that it'll, it'll ruin his reputation if it gets yeah, out. Yeah, he's a
0: missionary, right? So there's this, uh, yeah, because there's that scene where they, like, they drag him out of this brothel that he's in or whatever. And it's, like, fully, like, Looney Tunes. Like, he's got the, like, the bib of his shirt is, like, curling up at the end. And, like, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. So long story short, they, they go to Afghanistan. They put on fake beards, uh, pretend mm. to be tribal chiefs. They yeah. basically the Kazi and gang trans up, but as their own gender, exactly. just becoming we're becoming more male. And uh, the Kazi addresses this group of Afghan tribesmen who shoot at him when they're expressing happiness for or the, the agreement. Uh, basically, whenever, <laughs> the
0: Qazi is like really scared because they keep
1: firing the guns loosely in their direction. And he says, Don't worry, if they hit you, it will only be by accident. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and they shake their heads up, down for no, and left, right for yes, and basically the whole thing is... And they say,
0: nee, 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 nee for yes, and yee, yee,
1: yee for no. Um, uh, Yeah, apparently they're inscrutable, completely inscrutable. And uh, so what they do is is our our plucky band of heroes basically fakes their way into the compound, Mm. pretending to be the tribal chiefs in question and then gets told to like take advantage of the Kazi's hospitality, which they basically get sent to a harem and then just get really horny and chase women around Mm. without actually having sex with them because they can't show that in film. So instead it's just them kissing them and like, Frolicking in a pool, just but, like rubbing their boobs a lot. Like there's a lot of just like motorboating in yeah, this film. There's exactly. like low
0: key, just like that is that is what sex was in Britain in 1968. Was just like motorboating some fat titties.
1: So basically, then the actual tribal chiefs show up, and it's revealed what's going on. So they have to escape. They escape with mm. the help of the Kazi's daughter, who, who is in love with Captain. Yeah, Keen. falls in love with Captain Keen and uh, in the process of basically escaping, which they do eventually escape. Uh, Lady Rough Diamonds' photograph falls out of her of her brassiere because she's she's hiding in her fucking tits, basically, and it falls out when they're climbing a ladder that a yeah. a, 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 a fakir helps them <laughs> by pulling an enormous ladder out of his basket, and so on and, of and so forth. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just every every shirt. Snakes and ladders. Oh Makes fuck! Sense. That's actually it's the in joke. It's the fucking movie. <laughs> 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 this film is
0: excellent. <laughs> and It's like the more the more like
1: actual critical analysis I do of this film, the more I'm like, wow, this is actually really densely written. Um, so effectively, they they get out, they escape, but the problem is, is now the Kazi and bunged it in have the, <laughs> uh, the photo, and so yeah. they're able to raise their tribal army. So what happens is they then retreat, they run out, they get passed back to the, the, the border fort where they've discovered that basically everyone has been killed.
0: Yeah, uh, which actually is a scene I didn't remember from the film and kind of surprised me because the whole film is like, there's constant like like both nodding towards both sex and violence, but none of it ever actually happens. And so there was only
1: just a pile of dead bodies. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Well, damn. Yeah. Uh, and effectively, so uh, Private Whittle and Sergeant Major McNutt, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. stay behind to hold them off, but yeah. all the bullets are gone, all the gun barrels are bent. The uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but they've put like a... Uh, a, a phonograph inside the Maxim gun cartridge so, oh, so oh, it, plays, it plays music when yeah, they're trying yeah, to yeah. fire. So, but there's an amazing scene just as as this happens because they're with the, it's like the
0: Kazi's daughter and the, the governor's wife and Captain Keane, Private Whittle and the uh, the Sergeant Major are at the Khyber Pass and they see the like the army of the Kazi and Bungedin in approaching and so they have this conversation where uh, Captain Keane says well I suppose I will have to say and hold them off And then the sergeant major goes, that's no job for an officer. And he goes, but sergeant major, it's certain death. And he goes, that's why it's no job
1: for an officer. And he goes, oh, yes, quite right. (laughs) 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 So then basically they stay behind. Of course, they don't get killed. They eventually just run away as well. They're able to escape. And then they return to the uh, to to Sydney Rough Diamond's palace, the the Raj Palace or whatever, mm. where he has been basically notionally making amends because the Kazi has wronged him by stealing his wife. Mm. So to make amends, he has to send over like all seventy three of his harem mistresses. So he's yeah. just constantly having sex with them the whole yeah. time. Yeah, Sydney Rough Diamond's dick is like a army at this point. <laughs> he's like just, just fucking the whole. So of course it's never shown on scene on yeah. on, on, on screen. Rather, it's just more. Uh, implied that he's working, slowly working his way through, and the whole joke is it's tiffin, which I yeah, guess yeah, is some yeah. kind of word for sweets. I had never heard this before. Oh, yeah. So
0: tiffin is, I think, a Hindi word yeah, to I do with it is. having like afternoon Tea some kind or of sweets. Snack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and so, but there's actually a British cake called tiffin, which is kind of like a like somewhere between a brownie and a flapjack. It's kind of like a hard chocolate, um, like cake type mm-hmm, thing. It's like mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. like layers of chocolate and biscuit and stuff. Mm-hmm. A bit like a rocky road or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um,
1: yeah and so yeah
0: tiffin is in like this film tea, whenever
1: but, they're, ha- they're having tiffin it means they're fucking yeah like it's yeah. Just, this is constantly referenced and so and one of
0: the one mm-hmm. of the uh the kazi's wives is in there with him when his own wife arrives and she's like this is great i can tell your wife that we have made amends and he's like you'll do no such thing And <laughs> begins like shoving her into a wardrobe
1: yeah so effectively then when uh they they can then get surrounded by the kazi and mm-hmm. the afghan army who begin you know firing cannons and shooting at them and mm. what they do is then to have a normal dinner a nice black tie dinner yeah Th- this was okay this was a part of the
0: film that i didn't fully understand because like the bit is that they're having dinner and like cannonballs keep coming through the window and stuff and there's like a string quartet playing but like plaster keeps falling off the ceiling and like landing and all and it gets to a point where they're all just like completely white with plaster they've and like just, continue to eat just this dinner completely
1: dissociated they're like dinner comes first we're just going to pretend this isn't happening like yeah, yeah, well yeah. apparently we're gonna get overrun and killed so we're just gonna have a nice dinner and pretend this is not happening this to me but is the, the w- missionary mr belcher keeps <laughs> freaking out, out yeah Yeah, this to me is the most British scene of the entire film, like 100%. Like whenever the British people, I've said this before, the British mentality is, well, the other room in my house is on fire. No need to get excited about it. I'll just put the kettle on. Like that is 100% the mentality. So seeing this scene, I was just like, yeah, this I believe. Anyway, um, they then get in a firefight when they breach the wall uh they come out and start firing at people not very many people are killed it just seems like struggling yeah there's a lot of just like grappling grappling captain keen goes out and wrestles with a few afghans and then comes back and goes fall back men. and then when they do fall back at that at that moment basically where it looks like all is lost he orders them to raise their skirts and they're finally not wearing underwear and this scares the the indian slash afghan so much they all run away and thus the day is saved And then, and, then oh, and, and Kenneth Williams says,
0: why are you all running away? What's to be afraid of if someone not wearing something under their skirt? And then he looks at it and goes, ooh, then again.
1: <laughs> yes. And then Mr. Belcher staggers out. What if a gay man was afraid of a dick? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Belcher, who's completely shell-shocked at this point, staggers out and looks at the Union Jack in the compound, which says, I'm backing Britain on it. And he says something to the effect of, like, they're all mad, but yes, I am, or something like that. And then that's the end of the film. Yeah. I mean, what
0: could be a, a better metaphor for the current Brexit scenario than a man like dishevelled and covered in plaster from his own house falling down, stumbling out of a building, and seeing
1: a Union Jack that says, "I'm backing Britain on it," and being like, "Yes." And then, or, or, and, you know, an entire gathering of high society people basically just be like, "Oh, we're getting shelled, we're going to die. Let's yeah. have a nice dinner. Let's just not talk about that." Exactly. Yes. More chlorine, sir. Uh, exactly. So, long story short this is the most british thing i've ever seen in my fucking life mm. and when you tell me that these films are all sort of more or less the same that they're just like different scenarios but the same actors and always horny yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and sexist and racist because of they are of their time yeah uh yeah i wasn't surprised at all i i just um but to me i guess in a way i've se- I, i've never seen any of these films before and i've only seen british comedy like tv comedy and stuff e- e- from either a slightly later era or much later mm. That either kind of like Indirectly references it In a way Yeah 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 But it's never the actual thing I yeah. like, To me this film is sort of like Now I understand where Benny Hill comes from Yeah Because it's just It's the same sort of thing Like it's just like Oh money, <laughs> Just that nonstop <laughs>
0: Yeah this is probably The most racist one Because most of them Aren't really set in Historical scenarios They're mostly in like like, there's one called, like, Carry On Camping, and it's just set on a campsite. Like, like most of them are much more banal scenarios than, like, the British Raj in India. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um,
1: <laughs> so this one really gets to the heart of things, I suppose. But
0: it, Yeah, which is which is partly why I picked this one. I mean, I can read you out some other titles of Carry On films, because even I, I, I've not seen all of them, absolutely.
1: Someone pointed out to me that Carry On Up the Khyber Kyber Pass, ass, as rhyming slang. Oh, I didn't even know that. Uh, He's going right up the Khyber. So we've got oh wow, they go back to 1958.
0: Jesus Christ! Carry on, Sergeant. Carry on, Nurse. Uh, based on Nurse sketch, of course. Uh, fans of the show. Uh, carry on, Teacher. Carry on, Constable. <laughs> Carry on regardless uh, which I quite like as a as a diversion from the theme carry on cruising carry on cabby carry on jack carry on spying carry on cleo Car- i mean carry on spying is actually the name of a new british law i believe um <laughs> carry on dogging the only <laughs> way to have sex <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, carry on cowboy carry on screaming which sounds like a much more effective uh, advice for britain don't lose your head uh, follow that camel Okay that one might be slightly racist <laughs> um, Carry on doctor Carry on up the kyber Carry on camping Carry on again doctor Carry on up the jungle Carry on loving Carry on Henry Carry on at your convenience Carry on matron <laughs> They're really kind of starting to get more obvious as time goes on Carry on abroad Just generically abroad um, Carry on girls Carry on dick <laughs> <laughs> Yes! <laughs> Carry On Behind, Carry On England, That's Carry On, Carry On Emmanuel, and Carry On Columbus, which is 1992 for Carry On Columbus. I re- There's also a list of unmade Carry On films, which entered pre production before being abandoned, which include Carry On Smoking, uh, where the story rolled around a fire station, Carry On Spaceman, and, uh, which involved going to space. Not surprised they didn't make that one. Just a horny film saying space.
1: <laughs> As one does.
0: That would be brilliant. I would love to see what the bawdy uh, double entendres would be uh, in space.
1: Yeah. It does add a whole new dimension to it where you know, you're know you sort of confined to a physical space. Like You just can't go outside because mm. it's outer space and you'll die. So yeah. you have to be horny and chase, chase girls around in zero gravity just fucking floating back and forth. Like In a way, it's just sort of Kind of tests the limits of Ooh, the genre. The
0: airlock, the airlock knob is stuck. <laughs> I can't budge
1: it with a spanner. I have to suck it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't open it. You'll get sucked off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: that would be awful. Chance would be a bit fine thing.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is what britology should be now. It's just me and you improvising, carry on dialogue. <laughs> It's quite easy You just have to put Stock phrases Like charts would be A fine thing After things Or just like Ooh
1: matron Mm. Mm. (laughs) God fucking Christ man Yeah I mean nothing I've made the joke before I think um, On Trash Mm. Future And elsewhere That That you know, growing up with one English parent that I I felt like maybe something of an affinity for stuff because like I just grew up watching British TV or like recorded British TV and things like mm-hmm. that. But his first words were uh, "Misses." Yeah, but nothing has made me feel more American than living in Britain. So I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? What the <laughs> fuck is this place? What is going on? And this, I think, is what one of those examples of it where to me. This feels so foreign and just weird. Like, obviously, Mm. common language and such, like, I understand what's going on. Yeah. But I'm just sort of like, y'all are insane. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And especially in
0: 1968, a very, like, peak Britain hours. Um, there was, uh, back when there were 240 pence in the pound, um, there was, uh, there was a moment for me where I had the same thing with America when I was dating Emma. And, um, for the Super Bowl in 2018, we went to one of her, like, rich California friends had this, like, skiing lodge in Salt Lake City. So we went down there uh, for this, like, Super Bowl weekend. There were, like, 15 of us there. So I'm the only British person there, right? Everyone else is incredibly, like, waspy American. Mm. And, like, we watched the Super Bowl, which is like, what I mean, I really don't care for American football. What I especially don't care for is British people who aggressively like American football, where I'm like, that is just pathetic. It is weird, yeah. Like, you're a cuck. Like, you've got your own sports to choose from. Don't, like, like American football just because it's been marketed to you, you fucking moron. As
1: an aside, we one time got dinner in a pub, and it was the night of the Super Bowl, and people were literally, like, showing up because they were going to, like, start watching the game at, you know, 11 p.m. or whatever. I'm like, you're insane yeah like, i'm american and you're fucking insane what are you doing do you remember when we were in uh that restaurant that burger in restaurant. Angel?
0: yeah and that guy the waiter was like oh you're american i'm a packers man myself what did you
1: make uh, of the super bowl oh, the super bowl had been like four months before and like I, like I, was my just, I was just like dude i if the colts are in it i'll watch but the colts won't be in it ever because they fucking suck the colts <laughs> won the super bowl once in indiana will never forget that but like absolutely yeah uh, I you, you want me to talk about Peyton Manning not being able to run? I can do that all day long. Yeah, but I'll never I don't, forget the Colts, and I'll never forget the Dave Matthews Band. Dave Matthews Band is a whole other story, though, because he's a South African guy in America who started a jam band that's just weirdly popular, and like apparently was at one point the most successful American touring act, which does not surprise mm. me at all, given the weird devotion attached to it. Wonder why America would appeal to a white South African? Mm, I wonder. But uh, you were saying you were it Salt this
0: Yeah, and we watched the Super Bowl. And uh, and you know whatever it's a vehicle for advertising mostly, uh, but I was enjoying the adverts because the adverts were like, do you like beer? Buy this truck. Like yeah, exactly. there's something there's like a like British adverts are weirder, but there's a joy to like the incredible like sledgehammer simplicity of American advertising, which I do always enjoy. Like it, yeah, do do you like do you like tits? Buy this loan. <laughs> um, like a very I enjoy it. Um, but uh, yeah, so we watched Super Bowl, and then afterwards, like later that night uh one of the uh one of the americans in an attempt to bridge that great cultural divide was like was like oh that must be like such a crazy fish out of water experience for you like watching the super bowl in america and i'm like not really. I was like, do you want to know what really made me feel alienated? And he's like, sure. And I'm like, "When the, after the Super Bowl, Saturday Night Live came on and you were all laughing at the jokes. I'm like, there were no jokes in that, buddy. You were just laughing at
1: noises. You were laughing at things which had the rhythm of jokes but were not funny in any way. What I love about Saturday Night Live is that when they do happen to plant a funny concept for a sketch, mm. the sketch is like seven minutes long because they have to fill mm. what, like, an hour two hours of fucking like it's a long ass show mm. and so if they have a funny idea it would make for like a 90 second to you know five minute maybe sketch but it mm. just goes on forever because they've got to fill the time somehow absolutely they could yeah. just have more of the band playing it. it would be a lot better i could just do more uh, like i i would appreciate it if
0: cat if um Saturday Night Live was at least 50% just carry on shit. (laughs) Like, just like slapstick, people making double entendres. You know, there there was a joy to that.
1: There was actually a Saturday Night Live running joke about these two guys who were like 18th century British fops. Uh, oh, were like okay. we like powdered wigs and stuff and they, they would just talk about hey, yes <laughs> hey, yes, and they invariably would get discriminated inside the re-smoke house invariably get discriminated against because like they would they would go to a restaurant and they would the sign would say please wait to be seated and then they turn it around and it would say no fops allowed or something like that oh <laughs> and, I think I have yeah, seen this actually. Yeah, yeah. So yeah yeah so there yeah, were yeah. there were yeah things things maybe maybe that might be up your alley slightly but no it's hmm. more like Saturday Night Live the thing I always tell people is that there's always this appeal to like the halcyon days of when Saturday Night Live was funny because a lot of like now beloved comics got their start there mm. played people like eddie murphy uh john belushi um i think chevy chase was on it for in the early days um mm. dan Aykroyd was on it dana carvey mike myers like people who were went on to be big mm. comedians in america mm. but like it was never good like there were f- Mike Myers who went on to make basically the modern
0: Carry On film.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, Austin Powers does draw so much from both Carry On and uh, and from Bond movies. Although yeah. to be fair, too, Mike Myers' parents were English, and so yeah. like I think he grew up in Canada, but like his parents were English immigrants, and yeah. so I, I get the impression that like. For him, you know, it was an opportunity to just like sort of meld that. It's a very horny <sighs> microclimate up there. That's all very, we can say. Very, very much is yes. Yeah, so as 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 all of our subjective evidence has proven, of people from mm. Canada, they are horny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the the yeah, I mean, Saturday Night Live was never. It was never consistently good. And anybody who thinks back and I'm like, oh, remember when it was good? Like they're just. It, that's just sort of like the rose tinted effect of looking back on like when you were young and stuff. Because mm. I remember watching it. I remember laughing at like Norm McDonald doing Weekend Update. But then mm-hmm. if I go back and watch those it's just, like for one like his jokes are kind of cringe just like generally punching down kind of racist kind of sexist but also mm-hmm. like they're just not funny like yeah, it was yeah, never yeah. really funny the best way to watch Saturday night live is like buy one of those 2 hour i don't know like a fucking dvd of like the best Of Saturday Night Live Of the 1980s And they mm. will be able To fill two hours Of funny stuff Because yeah. they have An entire decade's Material to work off yeah, of Yeah 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 It's just not good They produced one good Two hour show In a decade I Of mean, making I mean Eddie Murphy shows. sketch About like uh white Because there was this Famously there was This American book That was then made Into a documentary In the 60s Called Black Like Me Where a guy literally Like mm. basically did Like professional quality Blackface to, Like pretend to be black <laughs> And like wrote about His experience okay. about, Like what it was like Being black in America And so Eddie Murphy Did the one about White Like Me Where like basically Like he goes to a bank in whiteface and everybody's like sober until like the one black person leaves and then it's just a party and there's throwing money everywhere and they're like mm. pay us back or don't <laughs> like yeah. that kind of shit like eddie murphy had some really good stuff um and what's it called i want to say i don't think dave Chappelle was on saturday night Live, but he had he's guested on it before um you know and weirdly like shows like mad tv basically mm-hmm. managed to be at times slightly funnier than saturday night live just because yeah, it, is yeah, such yeah. A, it is such a fucking tired format at this point it's such a long show but, well, and also it has that it has
0: that curse of TV where it's trying to be like family programming, yeah. and mean, trying to like appeal to uh, like across the board.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and Lauren Michaels has always been like a huge asshole about like ever pushing it in a different direction. Like people who who did anything vulgar that could have gotten them in trouble with the FCC or anything like that, like he would like blacklist them forever and stuff mm. like that. Um, mm. And so, I mean, it's just one of those things where, yeah, it's just not. It's for one, I don't think it's live anymore, and for another, yeah. like, it's just not. i mean that's the thing that is a thing that i really hate in entertainment
0: is the concept of family entertainment yeah like there's no such thing as family entertainment children's and children children's children and adults do not like the same things stop trying to make us like the same things
1: and when you do have a crossover thing that's both popular with kids and adults like say for example shrek the reason why it's popular is because there's secret horny jokes in it the entire time in a way we all just want to be british who are uh, misses? Yeah, exactly. Uh, see, that was
0: that was the beauty of something like a carry-on film because as a child you don't really understand any of the like horny elements of it. And, so and, you're and just like, like oh, I, what a peculiar film about the British
1: rock. Oh, they really like kissing and hugging, yeah. and that's it because you yeah. don't actually see. Oh, he's giving her a mammogram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did recognize elements of some of these kinds of jokes in other British comedy things that I've seen Mm. that are like slightly more slapsticky than, than like modern stuff. And obviously like, yeah, the Michelin web look sketch that you sent me. Like Mm. I get it now. I would have gotten that before because I think I'd seen enough dumb British stuff to kind of pick up on Mm. it. But like, for example, Number Wang in Michelin Web. Look, I had not seen any cursed British game shows from the 70s before. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that yeah. would that would have been like funny in a way, but it wouldn't have been as funny as it would be for a person who uh, grew up here, obviously, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, nothing will ever quite compare to The Majesty of Bullseye, <laughs> a,
0: a game show where you play darts and you win prizes that are of just completely differing values. Like, the, the like one of the prizes will be a lawnmower, like another prize will be a holiday to Corfu, but then yet another prize will be like a small kettle. Like it's just bizarre. <laughs> the, th-
1: the, th- the thing for me with, uh, with the Carry On films, I mean what I know of them and having seen this one all the way to mm. the end was, it did strike me in a way that it felt like I was watching a sketch comedy series mm. in a way that like obviously this was like midway through the franchise if you will. Yeah, yeah. And so like it just sort of felt as though watching it, a lot of it, like, I bet you I would get a lot of sort of stock things if I'd watch more of the films mm. because it does strike me that they, they they found a formula that worked and they were like, we're going to fucking run this shit into the ground. And that's just what they did. <laughs> and I mean, apparently Sid James is like a huge fan of them. He was like, look, I really love doing these movies. Like I make time to do these movies and stuff like mm. that. Because like, to me, they just, it, it, it strikes me that they do represent a kind of like, what I'm guessing would be a sort of like music hall vaudeville sketch kind of thing like if you're thinking about the people that these would have been popular for your nan for example or people older than her even it does make me think that perhaps like okay you know if you went to like the Hackney Empire or some shit, yeah, yeah. And they yeah. were doing sketches. This is the kind of thing you'd expect for, for a knees up, exactly. Yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of like that because
0: you see, sort of like, uh I, I guess someone like Bruce Forsyth, who we've talked about on the show before, is kind of like a, a slightly sanitized version of this same brand of humor. Like a lot of his stuff when he was like hosting shows or like game shows or whatever, there would be that element of like double entendre to it, but like in a slightly, a slightly more sanitized way similarly like obviously like pantomime is a huge British tradition which is maybe something we can talk about on this show at some point uh, but of basically having like incredibly bawdy productions of plays at Christmas which are aimed at children (laughs) so it's like a production of Snow White but it's like incredibly horny and full of this kind of like Mrs. carry-on style jokes but it's properly aimed at like six-year-olds but it's so the parents can sit there and be like horny and I remember remember when I was a kid going to see a pantomime of, I think, Dick Whittington, uh, which had Jim Davidson in it. Uh, I British listeners to the show will be familiar with Jim Davidson. I don't know if you've ever come across Jim Davidson.
1: I don't think so now.
0: He is a club comic from, like, the 80s, um, who is, uh, now is, like, kind of sort of cancelled for just being well, being a club comic from the 80s and thereby having a lot of, like, jokes which are bl- bl- offensive. Um, uh, but at the time, he was, like, a real sort of, like, he'd presented some game shows and stuff as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I remember, like, yeah, this whole thing was just full of, uh, like, gags, like, uh, uh, why, do, uh, why do some chickens uh, lay white eggs and some chickens lay brown eggs? And they'd be like, because some chickens don't wipe their arses. Like, there was, like, that level of... Uh, <laughs> Well, Extreme that was banter. less
1: racist than I thought it was going to be. So, yeah, I mean, I think even Jim Davidson would have struggled to be racist about chickens, to be fair.
0: <laughs> Imagine if he somehow brought that into the whole into the whole race debate. He would have truly have been like an innovator in racism.
1: I uh, mean, if anyone could do it, it would be British comedians. Actually, I take that back. British comedians don't tend to be racist. They tend to just mm-hmm. be like they basically if the modes of what's acceptable change in their lifetime which invariably they do they get really butthurt about it and then just whine about like british comedians whining about how you can't say nog on a fucking tv show anymore is basically like (laughs) in the grand scheme of things it's just like this country's going to the dogs but for british comedians it's it's like it's a permutation of baz Mm. but it's just like it's it's specifically for them basically being slightly past their prime the sort of david baddiel effect which obviously we know very well because i Cannot fucking stand People DVD. in my bench. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's terrible, really. These people just don't understand comedy. <clears throat> yeah. They won't even let me say Uber misses. <laughs> oh, next thing you know, they'll just make me take my cock out instead of making oblique references to it for 90 minutes. Mm. What a carry-on film, but everyone's played by David Badil. <laughs> well, we have more blackface than the actual series. <laughs> 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 yeah. I was
0: playing a white character and I had to put on white face over my black face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean... Mm-hmm. The, the, just in case, American listeners, you aren't familiar with, the, the TV comedian David Baddiel, uh, who has tried to reinvent himself as an anti-racism campaigner, specifically focusing on why he hated Jeremy Corbyn and why mm-hmm. Jeremy Corbyn was an anti-Semite, et cetera, et cetera. You understand the, 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 the framework of this. What David yeah. badiel completely failed to ever reconcile is the fact that in the 90s, he was on a TV show, a comedy show called Fantasy Football, in which for a extended period he made fun of a guy who i think played for like nottingham forest named jason lee and basically jason lee was a black football player who had his hair in like dreadlocks that he would basically tie up in a in a bun basically or like in a you know Mm. in, in in a knot when he played and david baddiel made fun of him on the show by putting on blackface and wearing a pineapple on his head and to the point where Jason Lee got harassed by fans so much, his, his family couldn't even come to games because it was too distressing of just people wearing blackface and pineapples in the fashion popularized by David Baddiel, who is white mm. and Jewish. Uh, the classic blackface pineapple combo and, that and we so, all to know enough. He basically, he wound up quitting football when his career kind of faltered. and He basically said, like, I went through an extended period of depression because I could not basically do my job without people putting mm. on pineapples on their heads and making fun of me. And it's like, that's because of David Baddiel. So... Hilariously, and we could, this is a whole other subject that I've, I've talked about, that um, it's, it, it, it's, it, it's hilarious to me how often you have to clarify when a British TV comedian has decided they, they hate Jeremy Corbyn and the left and the Labor Party and so on and so forth, you have to separate into the, have they done blackface on TV in the last 30 years <laughs> or not? And you'd be you surprised at how challenging it is. Uh, so let's be perfectly honest. Uh, yeah, this, that, that, is, that is the, the, the deal phenomenon if you're not familiar with him. But um, yeah. But to me, bringing it back to what I was talking about previously, is that I do think that this kind of stuff. It, okay, the treatment of Indians and Afghans is extremely cringe. Like, you can't yeah. get away from how incredibly, like, uncomfortably racist it feels. Mm. But most of the film is, like you said, it's just beating like, an oblique track around horniness yeah. and, and never saying it outright, but having everything, everything being alluded to in, like, the most. It's just incessant way it's just like every single part of the film is just like hey, oh I might take my cock out tomorrow like that kind of thing like it's very very
0: yeah it's- oh yeah there's a, there's a lot of like back, back passages and
1: um, you know <laughs> rah, rah. Yeah, yeah. I'll find your back passage <laughs> well precisely yes I don't know if that was actually an expression that people use or if I just put like
0: uh, just anything anything that sounds vaguely sexual as yeah, soon as yeah, you've yeah. got it in a carry on film
1: Yeah, exactly. And so to me, I'm trying to think if we have an analog to this in America. And I don't think we do because I think that for better or worse in America, it's either completely sanitized and sexless or it's just like, we're fucking. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. There's not really this middle ground where you're constantly alluding to sex without it being overt. There are perhaps more... I mean, you can find some gray area, I think about TV shows where you know, it has to be somewhat subtle. But I mean, let's be perfectly honest. America is a country where like, for a film to be shown and be allowed to be seen in the mm. 1950s, I think, in f- movie theaters or on TV, I can't remember what it was, they basically weren't allowed to show a married couple in bed together. And so they had yeah. to do a split screen thing where they're like in bed but talking on the phone, but it's done in such a way as to imply they're in bed together. Because if they were oh, in bed okay. together in the shot, then that would have been seen as obscene in America. Wow. I mean, Incredible. Recent, recent enough, like, in the sense that this, this was shot in color. So, like, yeah. it's not, you know, it has to be, and it was, it was definitely post, post-war. So, like, that's the level of, of, like, repression, but then, like... I mean, America is a Puritan country run by Puritans, as we but know. But then also, we have, like, we're, we're constantly pushing the limits with regard to, like, how much sex will show in films that are R-rated as well. So, you yeah, know, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, the, it's that dichotomy in America of, like, incredibly repressed and also incredibly, like, horny and in a, in a different manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is kind of a more because I think because in British society
0: we love nudge, nudge, wink, wink stuff, yeah, so much just for its own sake, like not even to avoid saying the thing directly, but just as a kind of like Britain has made such a perverse art out of like communicating without directly saying anything Mm -hmm. that is sort of like we we love that as a as like a ground for humor. I don't
1: know. I don't really know why. Yeah, that's a good point, isn't it? I mean, I think about we don't really have that. Like for us, there's certain things where they have to skirt around things because of what you can get away with saying on mm. TV. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, more recently, if films were going to be released before the sort of streaming era, mm. you had certain limits on what could be shown so that you could get an R rating and not an NC 17 rating. Cause like movie theaters <clears> typically won't show films that are NC 17. Yeah. And so like, and, and the films that were supposed to sort of push the limits, to like make NC 17 rated films successful were such huge flops just sucked really bad. Mm. So it just never really happened. Yeah. Well, and
0: also because I think there's this kind of thing where I just I just think Britain is, like, an extremely unsexy culture. Like, there's certain things that we're good at, and, like, sexy isn't one of them. So mm-hmm. we've, like, leaned extremely hard into this kind of, like, like, sex in Britain is, like, always a joke. I always find this really funny. Like, when you watch porn, right? Mm-hmm. And then often because you're watching porn in the UK, it will recommend, like, British porn to you. Like, oh, and there's like a, they have, like, a category for this now, like, British porn. And occasionally I'll click on it out of pure curiosity, and every time I'm like, nope. They're like 30 seconds in, like, no, like, oh, yeah, go on in. oh put your cock in me. And I'm like, no, we're so bad at this. Like, even when both of the people are attractive, it just
1: doesn't work. It's like, oh, you're a cheeky cunt. Oh, yeah. I remember somebody. I suck on
0: your knob, but it's
1: like, no, just stop this. I remember in, I want to say 2005, 2006, there was a thread on a forum that I was a member of where they were just screenshotting the most ridiculous British porn ads that were appearing as like pop ups on ads. And just putting them in the thread, like, have you guys seen this? Is this normal? Yeah, yeah And I remember yeah. one of them was like, Britain's Super t- Super Super Tit Queen shakes her lovely jugs for you." Like <laughs> <laughs> it was just like it was so ridiculous. <laughs>
0: like, I love it
1: when she shakes her lovely jugs for me. <laughs> that is it's in my it's in my most viewed. And so, yeah, I mean, I do think that there's an extent to which, um yeah, well, in you know, which out. is funny to me too, because it's like when I think about. Um, when I think about the American portrayal of Britain you know the sort of like the commonplace uh, yeah. expectation, expectations that people have it's one of being really sexually repressed yeah but at the same time if you know anything about Britain that's not true uh, clearly mm. Americans are more that way Americans are more direct to yeah. sort of communicating our feelings to people but when it comes to like uh, like I'll, I'll give you an example of things when it comes to like talking about sex or mm. like jokes about sex and stuff like that it's way more restrained in America than it is mm. here I also feel the same way about like I was always told like, there's certain things you know, British people are really buttoned up about. But what I realized is that like, they are. It's just that they're buttoned up about different things than Americans are. Yeah, and yeah, so British yeah. people will say things that seem unbelievably forward to Americans because like, there are things that we're weirded out about. And yeah. so a good example of that would be drugs. Like, British people just talk about fucking taking drugs. Americans get so clammed up and uncomfortable about it. Like, yeah, you yeah. absolutely just don't do that. Whereas British people never talk about, like, social standing or money.
0: <coughs> yeah, or like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, real, yeah the class signifier uh, Amer- shit. Amer- and
1: Americans absolutely will. But, like, British people, I've been in situations where they just randomly ask me, like, you know, to talk about religion or to talk about, like, traumatic experiences when I was in the military. And I'm like, I don't really know you. Why are you asking me this? Like, that <laughs> kind of stuff. And I realize that it's, it, it's a question of what are you buttoned up about? Yeah. And I feel like these films kind of kind of touch on the fact that, like, is Britain a like a sexually repressed place? not really no but but it's just more that the like you said the way that it's treated in sort of popular culture and in portrayals and stuff is that like it's never it's never like sensual. it's just like it's either funny or it's just i don't know crass, but it's never yeah. it's never tried like trying to be like you know. Oh, I, let's talk about being lovers and stuff like that. It's it's never no, like no. that at all. I mean, Britain Britain is the country that invented the word slapper, <laughs> and for that reason, <laughs> I
0: was looking about one of my female friends the other day, just like bringing back the word slapper. Like they've done reclaim slut. Let's try and reclaim slapper. I think that's a great.
1: I've uh, never even heard slapper before. What is that? It just
0: mean? basically means like slag or slut, it's okay, like a similar gotcha, kind of. Gotcha, thing. Gotcha. But it
1: hasn't. It has that more like
0: kind of. Whereas slut has a bit of more like kind of aggressive undertone. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Slapper has a bit more that like kind of like. 1960s undertone but like describing someone as a brass or something I I
1: remember there was so much stuff about World War II I remember reading in a book about the European theater of operations about how like American soldiers were just surprised that like British women weren't necessarily as repressed about sex as Americans are and so there was Mm. like so much fucking going on with like American soldiers stationed here Mm. to the point where like it was kind of a joke amongst British people and there was famously there was uh, an anecdote about a sign somewhere near like an American base in I want to say in like Norfolk or something like that Mm. where people had put up a sign that Said, you know, attention, Americans, GIs, please drive slowly. That that little child in the street might be yours. <laughs> <it's just> like, <laughs> a lot of fucking, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing is that Americans. Americans didn't realize how repressed they were until they went to other countries where like I people mean, aren't as. That's how. That's how y- your British half of the family became American. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my grandmother was fucking sixteen when my mom was born. So yes, a hundred percent.
0: You are a product of horny British people in World War Two. Yeah. Well, post
1: war, but yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I mean yeah it's it's wild, but I mean uh watching this film has has made <laughs> <his been, like>, its <laughs> grandfather just going Ooh, uh missus. <laughs> in like a, in like a deeply southern accent, "Ooh, uh, ma'am <laughs> <laughs> madam, you mind if I take you out for a root beer? It's like, Oh, I'd love a Oh ma'am, would, would
0: you would you mind terribly if I were to uh, take you around the back passage <laughs> Yeah. Would it be would it be forward of me to suggest uh, <laughs> that you join me in the well, car? I don't really
1: have any bed space, but this <laughs> wall in the
0: corner will <laughs> do. Oh bend me over the hostess,
1: trolley love. <laughs> I don't know if that's a Norfolk accent. I can't do a Norfolk no, accent.
0: No, Norfolk. Okay, well Norfolk, it's a bit like that. <laughs> me <laughs> the thing about the weird thing about norfolk is it's about as far east in the country as you can get but the accent they have is like west country
1: yeah i've never really i've never experienced it like to be able to give like i've rural <laughs> is the only way i can describe it like uh, yeah cruncher is the way to describe that <laughs> yeah and, and like i said my mom's family my grandmother's family it's all norwich that mm. area kind of people so yeah it's just like wild but um yeah man I, in a way I, I felt like I learned a lot but I think my big takeaway that I just said it, the thing that, that when, I, when I mentioned it online saying that like this is A this sucks but B this is really unfunny and racist but also horny the entire time and people were like yes mm-hmm. that is carry on films and that is Britain you must understand that and yeah. so I felt like in a way I happened upon something crucial in that regard
0: I actually like in a way I mean I think that like that we have we have a slight Difference of opinion on this purely on the basis that I think that like uh t- for me a there's a slightly more nostalgia attached to it, sure yeah that makes and, sense and b like there's that element of like I really get all of these like stupid Cockney double entendres where like half the phrases is just stuff you've never heard yeah um,
1: and, and I so wonder it has that
0: kind of like pleasing like timbre of like a joke your nan would well,
1: make like kind I of said thing. my 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 buddy uh, in New Mexico when I was a kid his dad mm. was a rabbi and he had like every Mel Brooks movie ever made. Mm. Like, Mel Brooks is extremely Jewish American comedian. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I grew up watching lots and lots of Mel Brooks movies, which are no joke, like also horny, but in a different way. And so in a way, I wonder if we watch, I don't know, High Anxiety or History of the World Part One or something like that. Mm. I don't know if uh, you might roll your eyes at the jokes and I would be like, oh, not only is this hilarious to me, but also it's nostalgic. In the same way that like, I get where the jokes are coming from in this film, but like, it's hard to approach it as a complete outsider and not roll your eyes at some of them. Oh, completely. I mean, it's very stupid. I think kind of the, uh, I
0: surprised myself. I was expecting to be like, oh, this will be like a fun thing to torture Nate with. But I right watching it back I kind of because I saw this film like as a quite a small child and I've not seen it since and watching it back I think I came away from it with this kind of sense of like oh actually like this is a, like aside from like some of the sort of like the ways that it's made that are quite like dated in terms of like the ways they represent like Afghans or whatever which yeah. are kind of like I think are sort of like it's done naively in a kind of there's not any like really egregious like
1: in a way it looks bad now because it wouldn't be done that way now and it is like very stereotypical and shitty but I think the thing that makes it is that like there was not any thought of like let's make this movie and have indian or afghan or any kind of south asian actors just we're just going to put makeup on white people and they're just going to do hello i'll do my funny accent like that kind of shit Yeah, yeah, yeah and so in a way that's the part that's aged the worst i think yeah
0: but the, the rest of the film, to me, I was kind of like, oh, this is actually, like, this is, like, very knowing and, like, quite based. I kind of got, a, a, a like, quite a wholesome vibe of it. Like, there is just this sense of this is just, like, horny grandpa is, like, winking at you about, like, but you know. There was
1: a part of me, though, that I did think about this. And I was like, when you think about what was happening in Britain in the late 60s, it would have been really, really fucking annoying if you were... You know an immigrant or the child of immigrants in this country, and like you know every every six months a new like racist horny film came out where like because you know <laughs> the same the sort of like david Baddiel, Jason <laughs> Lee phenomenon, I can only imagine how fucking annoyed people would be but like haha I'm gonna crack jokes from the, the latest carry on film at you guy who Lives in this country and is also British but yeah. That I think is funny and foreign you know what I mean <laughs> Yeah people keep trying to have horny sex With the guy that runs the corner shop Yeah i trying to run my corner shop and people keep make, making Tiffin jokes at me and I do not get it yeah. yeah that kind of a thing so I mean in a way I, I did have to think about that like It would have mm. in that regard it's kind of Aged poorly but I mean yeah it's, it's definitely That's not but the, I mean Mel Brooks one of Mel Brooks's Most famous movies Blazing Saddles like probably Uses the n-word like 200 times mm. I mean it's so when you talk about And it's, it's don't get me wrong it's funny but yeah. also like, wow, what a movie you cannot show on TV anymore. Like, and that absolutely like is let's put it this way. I don't think you could justify L- that movie, even though the jokes are funny, and that it is making fun of racism, it's absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say I've not seen that film, but I know that the concept it's is that it's making fun of people for being racist. Yeah. And also, like I know for a fact that like Mel Brooks employed a, t- a ton of black actors. Like they loved working with him in the sense that like it wasn't meant to be like making fun of black people. It was meant to make fun of old timey racism. But like, it's. Y- 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 people's tastes have changed since like 1974 yeah, 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 yeah. or whatever in a way that mm. like that style of a send up you just can't do it any more than we're gonna do like just full-on saying slurs ironically on the podcast kind of shit like we yeah, just yeah, yeah. we aren't doing that you Yeah, know we I mean? edit that out entirely, <laughs> yeah. it sometimes takes night hours why do you think i'm always on twitter at two in the morning Because i gotta edit yeah. every single slur out it's just me constantly <laughs> interrupting Raleigh just saying dago into the mic <laughs> <laughs> Wop. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, mm. this, was, this was an edifying experience. I it appreciate we, it, Milo. We, did, we covered so many topics. Saturday Night Live, The Army. Yeah, uh, you know. this is what we do. This All is, of this our is, classics. This is Britannology. And yeah. uh, one thing I would say is that if you have ideas for we well, a couple of things we have thought about doing. Mm-hmm. We have thought about doing one on post-punk music. We've thought about doing one on the Falkland Islands War. Mm. We've thought about doing one on... We were actually talking to friend of the show, Juliet Jakes, about doing an episode about Half Man, Half Biscuit. Yeah, which is something I know nothing about at all. We were thinking about bringing on friend of the show, Tom Usher, to talk about uh, UK garage and drum and bass music Mm. and the sort of like after scene in London in general and stuff like that. So that might even be like slightly Riley's commie nightclub, but for Britonology. So we have ideas, but if there's a topic you're interested in, and most importantly, it's a topic that you think people would pay money for to hear about. Then please well, a bonus a bonus please bonus. let us know because we absolutely want to keep doing this, yeah. and we we are at least in my case, I can speak for myself, extremely gratified and touched in a way that people seem to like this. Because yeah, who it, knew? Yeah, it's the weirdest thing, isn't it? So uh, uh, it's
0: just an excuse for me and Nate to sit in the studio, hit the vape, and talk about Britain. <laughs> really,
1: yeah. Which so in a way we've just monetized our hobbies, but we appreciate mm. you being willing to pay for it because that then actually allows us to do this as our full time job. So absolutely, thank you, it's thank you love for that. To see. Yeah. And until next time, this has been britnology I've been Nate Bethay. This is Milo Edwards, and yeah, we'll see you around the back passage. <laughs> 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 right, right, right,
0: right, right.